This week on the Indo Daily. I actually don't believe right that priests said her any harm. He just like thought I knew. But that's how I found out Miriam Martina was dead. How likely is it that Trump will be found guilty of paying hush money to former adult film star Stormy Daniels? We're talking about involvement in serious drugs activity on both sides of the border and as well as that, the procurement of weapons. Find and follow us at all the usual spots and over on the Irish Independent website. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. They were O'Driscoll, Morgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald, oh Fitzgerald is coming back inside! Leicester have another! Darcy O'Driscoll through the legs, Rob Carney, out to Fitzgerald again, stamped and scored! Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's rugby podcast. I'm Will Slattery, delighted to be joined in studio as always. And for the last time this season, single tear rolling down my cheek. Yeah, cute tear, <laughs> trusting water on my face, Gav by Luke Fitzgerald. Luke, hello. I'm not crying, you're crying, Will. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, what a year it's been. Someone chopping um, onions in here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just chopping all those damn onions. Gav, get rid of those damn get rid onions. Of those damn onions, Gav. <laughs> uh, yeah, what a year, Will. Um, I can't believe it's nearly... Nearly two years was. I know two seasons of, of podcasting, another half a season of left wing living uh, on mm. Facebook. You know, it's it's been a hell of a journey. Um, didn't think we'd finish it up by you wearing Celtic swag into the final podcast. You know, had you, to do it in honor of the big victory in yeah. Celtic Park. Um, yeah, I was saying in contrast, I went to a Rangers game recently wearing Celtic swag, but I wouldn't necessarily lean that way. You know, for my little listeners, just in case there was <laughs> any need for a clarification on that one. Uh, thank you, Will, for that. Um, yeah, look, it was a good weekend. Good weekend. Have um, a good time in Glasgow. I did indeed. I didn't look. We were kind of in and out, but um, Glasgow's just good fun, isn't it? So uh, it was nice to be over there, mingle amongst the supporters a bit, which was good. Um, and look, sure, it wasn't a, a great spectacle. I think the weather played a big part in that, but it was um, good that I think Leinster got out, um, got out of jail a little bit. I would think uh, got the win. Probably deserve it over the course of the season. I think they finished the season a little bit mixed. Will I think that was probably. To their detriment that they finished and were, were qualified so early on because they kind of chopped and changed the team, got a few young guys in, which will, I think, bode well for the future. But um, it does, it presents challenges, kind of getting a bit of continuity in the team, getting a bit of rhythm in the team, etc. So um, I thought they did well to get out of it. And I think on balance, probably the best team in the Pro 14 won. Yeah, we'll talk about Leinster's season as a whole in, in a minute. We're going to have Alan Quinlan in, in a couple of minutes to talk about, I guess, the season in review, you know, how Irish rugby did over the course of the last, uh, you know, eight months or so, looking ahead to the World Cup as well with that squad name during the week, a lot of interesting points. But I guess it was a big moment, well, I don't know, in your career, a milestone, a 10-year anniversary of Leinster's uh, Champions Cup winning team. There was a huge celebration, like a week long, basically. <laughs> I don't even say a piss-up because there was a lot of speeches as well. All of what it is, yeah. Will. Um, uh, some, some of your old teammates back in town, it probably nice to see them. I know you, you couldn't go to the uh, the big gala dinner, the gala I dinner. No, I had a... Um, a sick note. A little bit of a 
sick note, yeah, unfortunately. Uh, left work on Monday, so um, well, I was kind of feeling a bit okay, well, but it was, was just, say, I think it was a bad for, look. For, for, for full disclosure, together. obviously we're coming to you on a Thursday this week because Luke wasn't feeling well earlier in the week and I was fully sure he just wanted to go to this piss up and he just was saying he was sick. I was like, just tell, oh. if you want to go to this thing, I'll, like, you can go, like, we can just do it a different day. Uh, thanks, for, thanks Will, for the permission slip. <laughs> um, I just sick note, sick note and a permission slip yeah. this week. It was like being back at school. Yeah. No, look, I, I would have loved to have been there and they actually made a really big effort so I felt kind of um, I actually felt a bit bad because there's one or two guys I kind of talked into going uh, who weren't sure about going I haven't like saying listen we're definitely going to go there so um, I hate people like you I know well, look, I actually, I'll definitely be there come here I though. had actually, a I'm genuine sick note it was the real thing so look it was a bit of a shame to miss that but I caught up with them uh, last night they were on the end of a I think they're below, I believe they're called a two day session Will <laughs> I was I came late to the party uh, as I was in work but um it was really good to see everyone. They're a really nice bunch. And it was kind of interesting talking to the guys about it because all the chat the night before had been about like kind of, you know, what the rugby, you know, what the team did, how Cheka changed things. But like really the big thing that kind of went unsaid by all accounts, and I wasn't there, so um I was just from feedback from the guys, was that they didn't really mention how good a group it was. Like how like it's funny, most of the successful teams I've been in, sorry, every successful team I've been in. It's kind of filled with really nice people usually as well. Like you get a few, you know, rough eggs or a few lads that you're kind of rough eggs or whatever you call. <laughs> you know, you know, a few guys you're kind of thinking, you know, we we mightn't be friends or we mightn't be that close off the pitch, but genuinely just good guys, just different personalities. So that's a really key part. Like, I know, look, of course, that ties into Czech getting the right people in, but it really was the right group. Like, it was a really nice bunch of lads. It was great to see them all last night. A few of them you probably would, you know, you might never see some of these guys again. It's just a reality because some of them live so far I was away. Like, disappointed there was no Rocky Els from starting. It's like Bigfoot. Like, you know, the lesser, the lesser <laughs> seen Rocky Els. It's like the Loch Ness, Willie. Just, he was, uh, we're not sure he was here, but I'm pretty sure he was because we want to, we want to hide and cup off the back of him. But look, it was, uh, again, as I said, really good people. Great to catch up with them, Will. And I'm sure, like, you know, you have a, I'm sure, like, it'll be whatever your career is and, you know, 30 years or 20 years. I don't think there'll be an INM banquet dinner. There might be. You never know. You might do something great, Will. You might honoring me like man of the year. You never know. You never know. Who Um, was enjoying themselves the most? Well, you know, without, you know, know, speaking too much out of school. It was kind of an equal measure, for being (laughs) honest. I was way behind. There was just no catching up with anyone. So I literally had one point and I was like, look, I got to go because I'm just, I'm never catching up here. So, Mm -hmm. um, Plus, I was in work early, so uh, it would would have been unprofessional. Will would have been Un- yeah. highly unprofessional. Could have another sick note, maybe another sick note. No, <laughs> uh, look again. As I said, it was good. I stayed in there for about two hours, caught up with everyone um, that I wanted to catch up with, and it was uh, it was very pleasant. And they were all in good form as well. They were singing the house down in uh, in <laughs> Ono Mali, and actually a left wing um, favorite haunt, yeah. uh, the, the landmark, landmark. Yeah. the landmark. Yeah. Um, so they had uh, they great looked like they were having great crack in there. There was I arrived into Johnny Sexton singing away on, on something he had pushed aside the guitarist <laughs> and the singer and he was good voice actually decent pipes decent pipes. So it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Shawnee O'Brien was singing as well. So we uh, there was a lot of fun in there. It was it was uh, and I, as I said, everyone was just I think happy to just be spend a bit of time amongst themselves and have a proper catch up. Because uh, the night before is kind of more formal. It was more formal, like and, and rightly so because a lot of the money went to charity. So well done to to Leinster and the guys the organizing committee for organizing that because look sometimes you go you don't need to mark these occasions um i wouldn't be big on it to be honest will i like to just you know that's great like I, the, the day two would be more my scene to be honest but um i think it was all for a good cause in the anyway in, in the end anyway so they're always worthwhile doing and it was you know very 
strategically well done by you not to get any photos on the night so you could you know put forward this excuse of being sick and that you weren't well, actually plausible there. deniability absolutely <laughs> key um, so Pick yeah there's a black of someone's head somewhere it's like <laughs> zoom in on that head unpixelate that head there's a balding slightly balding fatter looking uh, version no wasn't me I wasn't there uh, I can attest I was getting in trouble from, from the girlfriend as well she'd bought a nice dress so I was uh, I was getting it in the neck from everyone Will actually to be honest so unfortunately not there I would have, I would have liked to have been there well we'll move on to more uh, current rugby matters now I'm finding it very difficult to take you seriously in this like, you know, top like you know the crest get used to it Will get used to it my man you're yeah. becoming a real hoops fan <laughs> uh, show my colours <laughs> uh, delighted to welcome uh, Alan Quinlan into the studio Alan thanks so much for coming in thanks Will delighted to be here Luke as well <laughs> we're looking well in his uh, Celtic yeah. year <laughs> <laughs> it got a mention already uh, Quinny um, yeah look it was an honour the occasion last week um, still living off the uh, the victory well like, um, I think last week you mentioned how you ha- you've taken a pay cut since leaving rugby times are tight you're wearing on free clothes now I presume you didn't pay for that over there I did pay for it Will oh, really? I paid for it in the airport the way out. I was thinking I can't come all the way over here and not buy something some some piece of Celtic well then times haven't really have changed if you, you can't get freebies anymore they certainly have. No one's in denial about that. They certainly <laughs> have changed. Yeah, no, look, it was It was actually, I have to say, you're always kind of worried with the venue thing that the, the Pro 14 are doing. Um, but it was actually a really good showing. You could see the Glasgow marketing team like put it in a serious push. There was really good numbers at it. So um, I think they were delighted with how it went off. I mean, 47,000 there. I was genuinely worried. Now, obviously, it was nice to have a Glasgow team in it. Um, but... Like there wasn't a huge. I wouldn't say there was a huge contingent of Leinster supporters over there. So they had just done the Heineken Cup trip and all that. So it would have been a big ask. So great turnout, um, and it was actually a really good occasion. Yeah, and we'll start with Leinster, I guess, and work our way to the other provinces. They won the Pro 14 last weekend, so I guess the season has to be classed as success. But when you weigh that up with the way Saracens, you know, got over the line against them two weeks previous, overall, what what will Leo Cullen be thinking about the season? I think you'd be very pleased. Obviously disappointed to to lose that final to Saracens. I think um, <clears throat> certainly aspects of that game that um, they'll probably learn from. They've said that. And uh, I think the standard has been raised again this year. I think Leinster and Saracens have been you know, the two standout teams. And I just remember playing in, in, in Heineken Cup teams and losing semi-finals and finals and just going going away thinking you got to get better next year. We can't stay the same. And um, both those two sides went to another level. Saracens have seemed to galvanise themselves in last uh, going back to last year when they lost the previous year when they lost the quarter final to Leinster. I just think any side with with that kind of power up front is is difficult. Um, probably the ethos and the 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 terminology of playing against bigger sides over the years and teams I've played is move them around and. It's 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 hard to do that. Like it's easier said than done. Just move them around because they're a super fit side. Um, just look at someone like Will Skelton, who's probably um, the fittest and the leanest he's ever been. He's so powerful and strong, and he had a huge impact. The Vunapolos, the Toje, the props that came on, um, they were unbelievable. Yeah, they were unbelievable. So um, Mark McCall has real depth, and I think to win win big trophies, you need depth. And we spoke about that with Leinster last year, the depth they had in the squad the depth they've had in the Pro 14 this year to have used 57 players. So it's not just 15 or 20 that win trophies anymore. It's a long season and you got to manage your way through the season. And um, So I think Sar- uh, Leinster will look back and they'll be a little bit frustrated, I think. Uh, they were in good control in that first half. I, I, I just think when Tyke Furlan scores a try and they go 10-0 up, I thought, this is Leinster's game. The body language had changed a little bit in, with Saracens. And look, it's been well documented 
kicked the ball out before half time. Maybe Gary Ringrose's pass after half time. There's a 14 point swing there, really. And a team as strong and as resilient as Saracens, if you give them a sniff to get back in, and they ran off the field at half time in brilliant shape. That whole body language had changed. And I think Leinster were a little bit deflated, having, you know, because it wasn't a case of Leinster completely dominating, but they were in a great position. They'd weathered the storm on a few occasions. And um, so very little needed needs to be done for Leinster. I think they're a, they're a championship side and they've proved that throughout the year with their performances. And um, it wasn't, you know, you go back to round one when the beat was so convincingly, people were comparing them to the All Blacks. So they weren't as good as the All Blacks, but they're not as bad as sometimes, you know, when you lose a match as a reaction. So it's always somewhere in the middle when you lose a game and win, win big games. And they have a lot of experience and... Um, vastly the vast majority of the side are all homegrown which is which is incredible so um, I'm sure Leo Cullen will bring in a few young players again introduce some young blood from their academy and uh, they don't need to tweak too much um, I think uh, just a little bit of that management in that game Saracens are a unique side. There's very few sides have that power. If any, I don't think anyone has that kind of physicality. Yeah, fitness to go to go with it like that. You mentioned that the fitness. Yeah, and Phil Morrow, Phil Morrow, who's, who's who was with Ulster, and uh, I worked with him with Ireland and and with the Ireland A squad and our different Irish squads over the years. He's done a remarkable job under Mark McCall. But that's the modern game, Luke. Yeah. It's it's if you want to. People say work hard. You, good sides and talent and skill will get you so far, but it's playing at a high intensity and being able to get up off the ground and after 10, 15 phases, turn the ball over or counter rook. Or, and they're just they're a really balanced side. And then you look at someone like Brad Barrett, who just so effective nice. going forward. And um, they've just pace and power all over. And Farrell then is just an incredible player. So it's a good pack to play behind you as a winger. would love to play behind that pack. But Leinster's pack is, is really powerful as well. Just small margins of that game let them down. So they'll be disappointed. But overall, the, you know, they've had a really, really powerful, uh, positive season. They could down tools three months ago in the Pro 14, really, even though, you know, it was a, and it was a really beneficial time, even though they lost a number of games in the Pro 14 and they had that draw against Benetton. And people, we all kind of bought into a little bit of... A uh, little bit of pessimism and a little bit of fear and a little bit of worry. Could they see out the season? Were they showing vulnerabilities? But you know they were they the home home semi final for a long long time. And I, I should have talked to Quinny before I, I was panicking. Quinny, I was one of those. I bought into it. <laughs> no, yeah, well, I, I look, I did a little bit, but I, I just I still, you know, you know, I'm a monster man through and through. But you got to take your hat off to Leinster, and I admire them, and I admire what they've done the last few years. Um, They've brought through, you know, they've been the kind of standard setters or bearers for for all the other provinces to try and try and um, emulate what they've done. They've ten trophies in 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 twelve years. It's it's phenomenal return. So um, there's very little wrong there, and and you know that conveyor belt to young players wasn't that long ago, four years ago, where you know I and lots of, lots of more people thought that Irish provinces couldn't compete in Europe when yeah. when when no one qualified for the for the knockout stages in 2015 16 was it I think it was my last year yeah, yeah and it was, um, yeah, yeah. so yeah. it's a lot has changed so look yeah. there's there's a lot of a lot of positives there yeah. I, I'm just worried now that I'd be worried if all the teams around Europe go we got to be like Saracens we got to go in get a massive pack and out muscle people They've, this has taken time for Mark McCall and you've got to give him credit. If you're a coach, of course you're going to, if you can get bigger players who are really effective in the tackle and carry and stuff like that, 
it's it's an added advantage. So um, you know, it's it's to finish la- finish last week and beat beat Glasgow away in Glasgow. Um, will do their. You know that was just an, a brilliant way for them to finish. If they'd lost that final, then you get a little bit of that negativity uh, bites and um, some of that vulnerability maybe. But um, I thought that was a really steely performance last week because Glasgow could have been fourteen nil up and possibly could have been sure, um, without the block down, Quinny. Yeah, like the block down like completely changed the game. It changes that and takes a little bit of um, momentum away from Glasgow. A little bit def- mm. deflated. Uh, they were well on top, and then you know, shortly after that, Adam Hastings gives a pass to Johnson, and it's it's fourteen five, and you know, so they gathered themselves, they managed to tempo the game really well, and then they showed their experience in the second half just by smothering them and 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 managing the territory well, and um, just being really physical and intense. And look, it's interesting, Leo Cullen after the game. The first thing he mentioned was the amount of young players that he has used this season, that the huge amount of squad players he has used. Because when you look ahead to even next season, the Champions Cup starts two weeks after the end of the World Cup. You know, fingers crossed Ireland are in the mix. Even if they get to a semi-final, they'll be involved in the third-place playoffs, so they will go to the end. And the Pro 14 will have started long before that, so he will need the bulk of his you know, fringe players, his young players, to step up again next season. So it's good that they've gotten that exposure already. It is, it is. Like, I suppose, look, I think I really I think that's a, a really balanced view on it um, that Alan has. I I think I'm probably leaning a little bit more negatively on it. I think um, I think they were lucky enough in some respects against Glasgow. I think the block down was a brilliant bit of it because it's just research. It's just doing no, I, your I, homework I don't, I the don't disagree that they they mm. were fortunate. They were fortunate yeah, in the yeah, first yeah, half, yeah. but I just thought that they showed that cup mentality in the second agree. half, yeah, yeah. which you know that's your foundation, Luke. You can yeah. build on the quality and the attack and, and every, everything else. But I think that mentality, men, winning trophies, you've got to have a strong mentality. Yeah. So they have that mentality now. So they have a belief that even when they're under pressure, don't panic. Yeah. And I thought they did that well. They were fortunate at times. There's no doubt about it. Mm. And um, But I, I just thought that... Uh, you need a bit of it. I Look, I actually, sorry... I'm literally, I'm 95% agree. It's more the, it's literally the What's last the 5% then? So the 5% is, I think the Saracens game is kind I, I, I don't think that was as close as they're making it out to be. I think there's a few big moments in it that definitely if they'd gone their way, um, the scoreboard looks better. But I just thought Saracens had a lot more of the game. And that that was something to me where I don't think they have to make wholesale changes or anything like that. Just, just So what are the changes? They can't, it, it's not, sorry, they need to, they need to accept that they definitely have to go, there's, they have to go to another level last year. Like Saracens, and, and it's very doable, by the way. Saracens got beaten very badly the year before in the quarterfinal by Leinster. That was that was as bad a beating, I thought. Not on the scoreboard, because the Leinster one the year before was a worse one on the scoreboard. But I thought they had as, as, as little of the game, Saracens had, has, had, had, Jesus, had as little of the game the year before as Leinster had in the final. Just a personal opinion. I, I do think there's a few things that need to change. I think... Maybe defensively, I thought they, there's something to, to learn from that Saracens defence. They're just so, so aggressive all the time. Leinster are very capable of doing that. I thought they got a little bit passive towards the end of the season. I thought last year that was the big jump they made was actually defensively. I think attack, they've been very consistent over the two years. Defensively, that was something that I thought they can get better at. That's somewhere I can see them making a change very quickly. I think the kicking game is somewhere as well, that they haven't really adjusted the game plan there, quite like Ireland. Um and I think as well, they play very flat to the line in, in attack. Um, that's something I don't think, you, you just can't do that against Saracens. You just need to try and get that ball. You need to take, now you're taking a risk that you're going to get hit further behind the line. 
But I just think you can't play otherwise. If you don't get the ball to those places where they have to make a decision and soften up a little bit on the outside, um, you just never break them down. Um, so that's there are a few small points. I haven't really given it a huge, but just from what my own thoughts on it quickly. Um, and then another thing that I suppose is kind of a little bit worrying is that while they've used 57 players and they've been some really good performances in the league and there's a few people that look like they're, there's a few green shoots coming up. A few guys are thinking, yes, very positive but are they at like international level yet? I'm not sure of that. And if you look at Leinster's squad from last year, where you have Joey Carberry, um, you know you've Jordy Murphy both gone, you've Jack McGrath gone now this year as well. Say we're uh, gone. Ian were gone. Like there's just a few big characters gone there that are hard to fill. Like those boys are hard to fill at times. Sean O'Brien's going to be out of the squad now as well. He's a big leader. I know he hasn't played much, but they just they need to be cautious now. This is kind of a, for me like a, a, they have a very strong team, very strong squad. But they need to make it. They need to go up another another gear again. And there's a huge amount of challenges from what I can see for them next season in terms of now every team, every good team will have the challenges with the World Cup. Lots of players being at it and the challenge that poses, right? So that's fine. You accept that. But I think when they get to the latter stages of the competition, which we'd all expect them to do at this stage, there's gonna there's gonna be challenges there with that 23. Like who fills those voids for those guys? Is Rob Carney going to be fit? You know, it's great that his contract was was resolved. That's an important thing for Leinster. But there's just a few things that you're saying, well, they, they, there are a few spots they need to fill now. Like Jack McGrath was a lion, he was sitting on the bench. Like that's a huge void to fill now. The Burns have looked really good in there, but that's a challenge. Joey Carby's a hard guy to replace. He's so versatile. He was brilliant at fullback. He, he was instrumental in a lot of the big games last year at fullback for them. So while I accept that there was, it was really important that they got the win, and I do think it was very positive that they did get the win. If they hadn't, and they could very well have lost that game, um, we would have been looking at the end of the season where we said, geez, Saracens looked a good bit better in my opinion. Um, you know, they, they drew it home to Benetton. Um, you know, the Munster game, the first half was quite close and they finished that off well, but they could very well have lost that Ulster game as well. Like if it wasn't for Stockdale dropping that one over the line, like that one was in the balance as well. So I, I would be more, I would feel like I, I'm just a little bit nervous about where they are and feeling like there's, my sense from the camp from reading it is that they're, and listening to them is, they think it was moments I think if you have more, if you're if you're if you have more of the game, if you're winning more of the collisions, if you're on top for longer, you get more moments, and it's easier to take them. And that's what I thought Saracens had. So, um, it, just a few things that I would be a little bit. I, I wouldn't be thinking, oh, if we got one thing here, if, if we put the ball out before half time, it was more than that to me. So they need to kick on another gear. Is what yeah, I'm the saying. Be, the better side won, and I think they'll acknowledge that themselves. But. I think what they did was so, some parts of the performance was on Leinster-like, just managing the ball. Um, I thought they were quite passive sometimes and, and a little bit naive on occasions, trying to run in very tight, one-out runners and getting smashed back. And then Johnny Sexton, he's getting ball that there's a lot of Saracens guys chasing him down and it's 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 a different side, side of kind of pressure. You know, as a back... I know as a forward, former forward, that you know the platform is laid up front. Um, if you can get those little spaces, get over the gain line, it's easier for the scrum half. The backs can run onto it. They can take guys on one and one. That makes a difference. So they'll definitely realise, I think, and understand um, just some parts of that game that they weren't as clever and uh, as they as as they probably were last year. I think they were stronger squad last year because of those guys you mentioned. They're international players. Four or five of them were not involved. Um, so I think they'll learn from that and uh, look Saracens there's very few teams have, have that kind of a complete 
complete very team and squad and the, and the power. It's like when I saw Vunapola going off, Queenie, I was thinking, here we go. Like remember, Mako went off with the the ankle. He clearly wasn't right. But the two guys who came on were just yeah, they outstanding. Were like they were, I was nearly thinking, geez, this actually isn't a downgrade. Well, yeah, Munster suffered the wrath of them as well. And just to move on to Munster, Allen, obviously you're out about them at the weekend. It's been a, a tough couple of weeks for them. A bit of upheaval behind the scenes with the coaching uh, situation. And then, you know, Doug Howlett leaving, Garford Strauss retiring now as well. So a lot of changes uh, going into next season. You know, w- would you be would you be worried about the direction the province is going in? Um... I'm disappointed more than worried. I'm disappointed that they probably haven't looked in the last few weeks at the business end of the season like like winning a trophy because um, mainly down to maybe three or four performances. Probably the Edinburgh one in the quarterfinals, they get a bit of a pass there because, you know, Edinburgh, to be fair, were good in Europe this year. They, they have a decent side, a lot of internationals, and Munster kind of stole that in the end. Keith Earl's brilliance with the two tries. Um, but then it's probably the Benetton performance and the second half against Leinster and just the little bit of upheaval and the negativity that's coming out doesn't help, you know. So the fans are, fans get uneasy and, and to be fair, they're demanding. And, um, you know, Munster haven't won a trophy in eight years and uh, um, that's disappointing. Um, I want them to win, obviously. Um, and, you know, you do, I said this a few years ago when I criticised the team. Um, I criticised that time because I thought that the passion and the effort level and uh, the real desire that I think is a template when you put on a red jersey wasn't there. I also said that doesn't mean I always had it, but I'm just I was given an opinion, um, and you know. I think you're well in, in a good position. Yeah, I know, but look, I, I, I probably, I probably, I, yeah, like, I know, yeah. I probably, I didn't enjoy any of that, Luke. That's and I didn't awful. Enjoy, it's, it's the I worst didn't part enjoy being in, in, in that situation. That, yeah. mm. And it's like two guys in a pub kind of giving out about their team. I kind of give out publicly. And then there was a, a, a wrath and, and, and a backlash to that. Um, I, I wouldn't give out about this monster team because the effort level is there the endeavour the passion I think they're working their socks off does that make it more frustrating in a way though no I think it makes it it makes it makes it heartening in a way that I think they're they're better than actually the way they're playing now there's a couple of reasons why and I mentioned this in the piece last week Rossi Erasmus came in in uh, a couple of years ago um, as director of rugby and then obviously Axel um, passed Incredible upheaval for everybody in turmoil. Rassi then had to take over and kind of take the reins and get, get out in the pitch with the players. Um, the whole structure and the idea of bringing Rassi Erasmus in was to, to work behind the scenes, to help and support the management, the coaching team, but also the structures, the academy, uh, the recruitment, all that kind of stuff, and, and put a plan and a real strong structure behind the, the rugby programmes there. And uh, that changed. So Rassi, in fairness did a superb job. They only lost three games that year in the Pro 14. They played 22, won 19 of them. Um, they had an intensity and an intent about them that was unbelievably impressive. Um, they topped the group in Europe, conceded the least amount of tries, um, won the quarterfinal against uh, Toulouse, I think it was. No, it wasn't Toulouse. I can't remember who they won the qualifier. It was at home, wasn't it? Yeah, it yeah. was. Um, then they lost, well. they lost the semi-final. Yeah, I th- yeah, it was Toulouse, I think. And then they lost the semi-final against Saracens. And then they lost the Pro 14 final against Scarlets. But a few things cropped up 
particularly in that Pro 14 final and, and that semi-final was that you need more to your game than intensity and, and aggression and physicality. You need that little bit of finesse and they were lacking that little bit of finesse. But in fairness, I thought it was incredible. He did an incredible job. The players did an incredible job. It was a very direct approach. And to be fair to Rassi, he didn't have a lot of time to do anything different. Mm. And he worked with who he had. I think there's more uh, evasive and uh, footballing people have come in. Tygburn is a footballer, Joey Carberry. Uh, Farrell offers him a lot. Albie Madison's been a good addition. Mike Haley a little bit. I know they've lost Zebo, but there's four but the, or five the guys. the end result was the same, really, as yeah, Razzie's season. Yeah, so yeah, so the reason I think is that... that the team are probably still playing the same. The direct approach, a lot of kicking as well. I think they can play differently. And to be fair to Johan van Graan, he's a season and a half in there. He's probably learnt a lot about change, about there was a, uh, there was a need for an extra coach anyway. Um, they've been trying to get an attack coach for a backs coach and an attack coach for a while, uh, for the last few months. That kind of went public a, a few months ago. Um, then you had the announcement that Jerry and Felix are not going to stay, which now means they've got to get three coaches. So the dis- my disappointment uh, is there, like their their disappointment for sure, and Munster fans. But I think I don't know if what you think, Luke, but I think they're they're a better attacking team than what they show. So I think they're still programmed into what happened two two years ago, where they were very direct and it was effective, and. They don't have in their locker now that attacking, even though they are trying to attack and they're trying to get a little bit of width in their game. But I just think, and I'm not, attack isn't just about the back line. Give it to the back line and, and do something brilliant. That's the whole squad. That's forwards have been able to tip on a little pass, give an offload out of the tackle, put a bit of footwork on into contact, find a little space. If you're a prop in midfield, if there's a turnover and you get it there, that you have the ability to give it, 15-yard pass like to somebody who's faster. You know, and, and Leinster probably showed that with uh, Healy, Furlong, Cronin, uh, Troy. So I just think, I think it's in the Munster players. For sure, they probably need a little, uh, you know, they can, you could go out and sign one or two more players and make them stronger. But I think, you know, the reality is they're probably going to have to work with what they have. I'd be optimistic that there's some, probably for the first time in a number of years, in the last two or three years, and I mean that respectfully to maybe the one or two who were in the 20s for the last five, six years. There was there was a few monster guys there. But I think the representation in the last two years has been probably the biggest in a while in the Ireland 20s. And there's a few very exciting, young, talented players. Johan van Graan is not, a, I would say, and would need to introduce some of those guys over the summer. Get them in, get them training, and see if they can kind of bring that energy and impetus that's needed. And a little bit of variation in attack. Obviously, if they get in some good coaches, they can change the way they want they play. I think Chris Farrell openly said it that the one area that he feels that they need to be a lot better in his attack, he said it in the last few weeks. So the players probably know that themselves. And I think it's very unfair in blaming Felix Jones that the attack is not good enough. I think he's so much to do there. They're down a coach. You know, Luke, when you've different groups and you're trying to run a whole session and trying to do the kicking game, it does, there's so much to be done there. Yeah. And, you know, it's just a pity that they're not staying and that maybe a, a kind of a very experienced international or top quality super rugby coach wasn't coming in as an assistant that they could, you know, really bolster the team up. Now they've got to get three. So what's your feeling on the lack of a Munster 
presence in the backroom staff now? Um, is that important? Yeah, look, it's 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 in an ideal world, Will, I'd love to see um, you know, a whole Munster team grown and born and, and reared in Munster. That's not a reality anymore. Um, like, I think the... F- the, the the what Munster are trying to do is trying to bring more people through. They're trying to work on the academy and the grassroots and the club game and the foundations, uh, programs that are there with their young players, um, to try and bring more guys through for sure. And that's why I say there's there's seven or eight Munster guys who've been involved in the Ireland Twenties in the last two two years. Very exciting guys who I think this will be a, f- a, a fresh batch of, of, of coming through. Hopefully feeding up into that uh, the senior side. Um, so I'd love to see it in a, from a player point of view I don't have any and I've openly said this before I don't have any problem with um, outside guys coming in putting on the red jersey as long as that passion and that they buy into you know what it means to wear the jersey because it's still you know it still means a lot to me um, it still means a lot to the people who wore it well before my time there's a lot of history and pride is attached to it Um as regards the coaching scenario, well, you're you're losing two guys who've who've worn that jersey and who know the, you know, know what it's like to play for Munster. So that's disappointing. But sport is kind of ruthless, and it's a lot has changed now. And the old mentality that maybe we would have had before, of you know this kind of close group of people and a very tight knit group who don't want anyone else coming out from in from the outside. I think. You, you know, you've got to be open-minded now. There's going to be outside coaches going to come yep. in. Because when you look at your time at Leinster, when you had a lot of success, like under Joe Schmidt and Michael Checker, there wasn't a, like, there wasn't a huge like Leinster representation of those staffs, as far as I can remember. You had like Kirk McQuilkin and John O'Gibbs. I don't think the players would take care, would they? If I they're getting good you just detail, want good coaching. You want you good, just coach. want good coaching. Like, what I would say on that situation is I, I was really disappointed. Um... You know, uh, and far from, I didn't really hear much about Felix Jones being scapegoated, but there's just no way, like, that guy is working his socks off, I guarantee you, just haven't played with the guy. Um, and it actually looked like they had made some really good strides. Like the first half, they showed some really good rugby, right? I think, like, what I would say is, if you look at the Leinster coaching ticket, right, you look at the difference an outsider made to them. Like, sure, like, so I think it's disappointing. I thought when I heard they were going for an attack coach, I was thinking, this is great. This is going to bring our guys on further. This is going to be like another Stuart Lancaster if they get it's the kind right of new body ideas, in. Isn't But it? it's just nice to freshen. Sometimes you just need something to freshen up. A new idea here or there and it can just, the whole place, it can lift the whole place. Look, look Stuart Lancaster, like, yes, he's, ch- he's probably changed like, I'm going to say I'm sure it's more but really what he's changed is like two or three really big ideas I know there's some really big stuff around training and maybe the way the team is playing in terms of being a 15 man game he really bought into that and I think that was it tied in with Leo's trip I think to New, to New Zealand um, when he was kind of learning his trade when he just started off coaching so I think it was a perfect timing thing as well but all you need is one guy. I really thought if they got one guy in that it would bring the whole thing along. It could be that missing little thing for them. Because if you look at their squad, and that's been a challenge for them as well while we're on that on, on the subject. Like, Joey Carby's had an injury-interrupted season. That hasn't been helpful. That hasn't helped. So has Connor Murray. Like, they're two really, really important guys for the team. So um, Keith Earls. He missed a few. Keith Earls has missed a bit of the season as well. Not as big, but just he's, he's missed a few kind of, you know, he hasn't had that continuity, although he's played very, Tommy very O'Donnell well. Tommy O'Donnell has miss, been missing. Tommy and, O'Donnell's you know, a big he's loss. He's a very underrated player. I think he's a superb attacking yeah. Skillful back row who can but he's step great in the deck pass. as well, Quinny. Yeah. Like, you know, you need something and, like that and, as well. And, so you know, so I think could could they add one or two for sure? I think yeah. they could. For me, oh, easily get in the second row. It's in the back line. 
I think the pack is. I think you're. I think in they good could shape. do it another little bit of depth in a second row. Uh, Finian Witchley, in fairness, has, he looks has like he's come a good in. Player. Good player. I like him. There's one or two younger guys coming through mm. as well. Um, I said this about Rory Scannell in the piece last week. I think he's a really good player, good footballer, but. I just think all I've seen and all I can see from Rory Scannell at the moment is just straight up the middle. Mm. He's a good left peg. Mm. He's a good evasive player. Um, you think the back three never get the ball really, Luke, with one-on-one -on -one scenario. You want to, as a former winger, if you, you want to run one -on at your winger. Yeah, you want to take him yeah. on. You want to look him in the face. You want to be able to go up and try and step yeah. him, hand him off, run out over him, whatever the case may be. Earlsey doesn't get that Andrew Conway doesn't get that now they do make line breaks and they come in field a bit and, and they, you know it's it's not always easy to do that yeah. but I think I just think they're a better side and I think Johan van Graan needs a little bit of time I think this this is a real pivotal moment for him now this it's summer, a make or break season it, it, think, this right? summer is really this summer is, is important in what they do and, 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 and getting a bit of variety in attack even, even you know, we used to do it after training. It was something that was introduced, which we were alien to. When you go in and do a weight session, we were told, uh, it's under Tony McGahan, well, you've got to go out now and do skills for 20 minutes with with an attack coach. And little moments mm -hmm. and things mm -hmm. like that. And I'm Make sure they're difference. happening. I'm sure the one-on-ones are happening with Felix and Jerry and all that stuff. But it's just someone with fresh ideas to, to be able to give a scrum half pass. If you're a prop at the bottom of a ruck, or you, you you head to a ruck and that the scrum half is 10 yards away that you have an ability to give a pass straight off the base to your fly half and you've, your skills are that good. So I think you've got to try and raise the level right across the board. And look, small margins. Carberry been injured from um, hurt him a little bit. Murray was a big... Uh, yeah. Murray as well. Tommy O'Donnell, you know, Earl's uh, been out as well. And uh, so look, Reese Marshall is someone who's, who's a really... Elusive hooker who comes out, who came off the bench, started a number of games. He was injured as well, so it's just having that depth and that impact off the bench. They had some high moments during the year, going away to Gloucester, blitzing them was one. Um, the Leinster one at home, I think they sh look. It was that was a real attritional game at Christmas, and it is it's just that when you get to the business end, they've been short again. So the other side of that will is, and this is probably me. Maybe people could say I'm going a bit easy on them or whatever, but there's a lot of teams are not getting into semi-finals of Europe, not getting into semi-finals domestically. There's a lot of good teams in France and England, so it just shows the expectation and the pressure is there. Well, but I think we're trying to figure out yeah, what the next thing how is. How can like, they be better? We, we're always how can trying, they be we, better? Like, you never want to be too negative. Like it's, sometimes it's warranted, but more often than not, they're they're there thereabouts. Like they're very close, um, but they do need they need something. They need there's something like uh, for me I think there's a a, a personnel thing uh, interesting here Quinny talking the about the problem they have Luke is if they can't sign someone do you think do you think that they can play in a, a better style of rugby now you can't do that throughout the winter at, in a wet yeah, mucky yeah, windy yeah. night they can still have their nutritional intensity but I think Leinster have done that Quinny yeah like I think as well like if you look if you said to me like can Munster do it with the personnel they have. I absolutely do think they. I think they can do that. I think you need to figure out ways of doing it, of allowing yourself to do it. I think the forward thing. I've said that about once or the last while. Yes, they love to be attritional and combative and physical, but you still the interplay gives you the one on ones in there as and well, I, which gets you the moment. Which gets Conor Murray on yeah, the front foot, sure. which gets Joey Carberry on the front foot, which makes Scanlon look an awful lot better because he's got a bit of time on the ball. I still feel like 
Simon Zebo hasn't like they they're missing they're missing something at fullback. I I hate picking on someone, but I was unbelievably surprised that he was in the Irish squad. Uh, I know we're going to cover that in a bit, but Mike Haley is I. I I'm sure he's a lovely guy. Well, but we'll move on to the Ireland squad then. Now, what Mike Haley? Mike Haley, well, squad. Sorry, <laughs> but he's he's a problem for them because he. I don't see any real elusiveness at fullback. I don't see him really beating guys regularly. I don't see him. If you're not doing that, are you putting guys away? If you're not doing that, are you really solid defensively? He was he was bloody poor against Leinster. Like that was. A, I know it was. You know, James Lowe's a pretty hard guy to stop. But if you're not, if you haven't done, if you don't, if you're not expecting a right arm fend from James Lowe when you're in a one on one situation, which is full back in a defence, which is coming apart, you're probably going to get one or two of them in a game. If you're not expecting that and you haven't got your left hand high to block down that fend, I'm just thinking you haven't done your homework or you're just not up for it. Like, so that's those things are disappointing. And I'm just not seeing enough from him. Like, Keith Earls has to be getting the ball. Andrew Conway has to be get those guys will beat guys one on one if they get chances. They need the ball. So I don't know whether there's a breakdown there at twelve or thirteen if they're not getting it out there, but you need one other playmaker outside. I love to have it as my fullback. I think that's a great position because you can drift in and out of the game in great positions. And usually, you know, in, in top class rugby, you're 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 getting yourself in good positions when it's one on one, boom, boom, but you're not skipping guys. It's usually hands, hands, hands. And fullback is usually the guy, the connecting guy to the winger. You're a key guy in that. Like, you're just such a key guy. I think they miss Simon for that. Um, and it looks like that's an area where, if I was looking at it, I think, I, 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 haven't, I hadn't thought about Quinny's one, but a lot of what he was saying was making sense to me about Scannell when I think about it. But I really think the fullback situation for me is one that I'd be looking closely at. Like obviously, we put Ireland in the back burner for the last couple of months, but there'll be a lot of work done over the summer, you would have thought as well, because the Six Nations didn't go well. Like, How important is this next period you know, leading up to the actual start of the World Cup? Is it as important as we think it is, or is it really once we get to the World Cup, it, the, the, it actually begins? I don't really see any correlation between what's gone on previously and the World Cup would be one thing that I would say. Like, If you look at how well Ireland played in November, um, you know they, they were brilliant then. They beat the best team in the world, and they looked like the best team in the world. But then you saw kind of Six Nations two and a half months later and things looked very, very different and took on a very different complexion. So I'd be reticent to make a call on base, uh, based on previous form. What I would say is I think we've got a great group of players, um, you know, very, very competitive in, in both in their league campaigns and, and in the, the, Heineken, in the Heineken Cup as well. Um, I think they've got a brilliant coaching staff, um, very innovative, um, you know, very much able to get a group moving in the same direction, which is kind of a key key component to it, you know. So they've got all the tools to go really far, what, and it will. I'd be I'd be confident going. What in. do you think, Joe? What will be the first thing he wants to work on with the players once he gets them back in? It'll just be fitness. Will it'll be? You just need to get the guys in good shape. I think ball handling is going to be something that I would, if I was looking at the team. I think I saw a lot of what Munster and Leinster got wrong against Saracens as being part of the issue with, with the Irish team against, say, England, because I thought that was kind of a key one. That's like, why it was worrying a bit. It's just the, I think the, the interplay amongst the forward, as Alan said, like, that's such a key component of it. Like, you just, those little tip-on passes, it just changes the whole complexion of the game. Um, because otherwise, teams will hedge their bets and they just come so hard off the line at you because they know the ball is only going to get to a certain point. And if they can knock you back at that point, Johnny Sexton and Conor Murray are on the back foot playmaking and the game looks takes on a far different complexion. I think the exit strategy is something that they need to consider as well. Um, I've been saying this for a while, but I think they need to they need to go away from purely using Conor Murray's box kick. It's such a it's such a weapon. Um, but they shouldn't use it all the time. They've just they've become too reliant on that. If anyone was looking at England, they'd be saying, We're just gonna block the runner off. We're just gonna hedge our bets, we're gonna leave someone in the back, or we're gonna block the runner, and our guy's gonna catch it easily all the time. Um 
or in a, or in a position where he's you know he's in a strong position to take it. Um, so the probability would be that they get the ball back, and it's not as effective then. So that's I think I think if I was suggesting something, I'd be talking about maybe getting it to the fifteen channel and 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 and, clean, and getting it out from there, or going high from Johnny Sexton across field or into the middle of the pitch. We've got great fetchers that hasn't changed, but. We need to figure out something. We need to change something slightly in those two areas. I think would be just just off the top of my head, um, looking at the games. I thought there were two things that could make a big difference because it's something that the teams relied on. Queenie, I don't know if if you would agree with any of that. They rely on those two things very heavily is to get momentum to get make the you know every team does for in terms of the interplay amongst the forwards and get momentum in the tight. But Ireland's kicking strategy they rely on it heavily. So like. That ha- if that's not working for them, if those two things aren't working for them, the game is far different for them and way more difficult. Yeah, it's something. I, look, I'm sure they'll look back throughout the Six Nations and and the opposition that that kind of mastered that kicking game, that box kicking, in particular blocking off runners. And 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 I've said this before as well, and I I feel I'm repeating myself, but I think Ireland are they're probably not as cynical as they should be. That's coming from me. Ah, Queenie. <laughs> the king of, of course you'd say that. <laughs> uh, I just think they're too nice. They're very disciplined, which is a, an amazing thing, and it's brought a huge amount of a success. But they're just getting muscled out. I, I, I go back to that English game. Just being blocked off um, and kind of trying to run around the English guys then. I just smashed through them if they're there. You know, we lacked a tiny little bit of aggression and a bit of nastiness in a couple of those games. And go to the Wales one at the end, there was an awful lot of things in that game that, that refereeing decisions that were wrong and people criticised me afterwards or even commentary when I said a few things. But like, I look back at that game, there were so many moments there that Ireland just needed to be a bit more cynical themselves because teams are being cynical against them. That's my point here. They're being cynical against them. I do entire, I do agree with you with more variety in the kicking game. You know, if you do something so well for so long, eventually someone will figure out how to counter it. And England did that. Was it always legal? No, that's my point. Mm. It doesn't have to be always legal. You can bend it a little bit. And England did that well, and they physically just blocked Ireland players off. So I like the idea of getting the ball in Sexton's hand. If he's 10, Carberry, if he's 10, crossfield kicks to the other winger, a mm. bit of variation. Uh, getting it to, to Johnny Sexton as the 10, putting it up the middle of the field if you're exiting, or just thumping it long. Yeah. And yep. getting a good kick chase and being patient. So um, I think absolutely. And, and we'll ask what will they do in pre-season? What do they need to change? Not a huge amount. They just need to just tweak things, have a bit of variation. If one thing isn't working, that they can move to another thing, like the kicking game. And pre-season will be about getting fit first and foremost. But then the skill stuff is where you work your socks off in pre-season and you build that into your rugby fitness. Right across the board, 44 players been able to catch pass offload, um, you know, a, a bit of evasiveness, footwork, all that kind of stuff is what you do in pre-season. But one thing that stood out to me from the Six Nations that I was very surprised at was how I think it was like halfway through or towards the end, Joe Schmidt mentioned, oh, the team is still a bit broken from that opening defeat, which you wouldn't have heard that about. Unusual. About our, yeah, so like that had a lasting impact and then they went out and got pumped by Wales again. I know there was a few decisions as Alan said. So, you know, coming into a, a World Cup camp where expectations are high, will they still is there a danger they it, might it was, still it was be a, a bit just if I can go back, it was a good well side, don't yeah. get me wrong. And I <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying that yeah. oh, just because some decisions went yeah. I mean Ireland got a little bit they they were a little yeah. bit broken, I think. And mm-hmm. physically Wales were uh, they had an intensity throughout that Six Nations that was they weren't throwing the ball around. They just were very effective they had Tipperick and Navidi 
destroying people's yeah. breakdowns. Um, you know, a bigger coming off the bench from kicking unbelievable high Gary Owens to wingers, isolating And himself. Them. He's uh, unbelievable. Hadley Parks just been really effective That's going yeah. forward. But, but on that question of, of Schmidt's comments, and like, is there a danger that they're going to come back into camp and there could be some residual scars from that defeat? Because they were last, they lasted two, two and a half, two months or whatever it was at that stage. I listen, I was amazed by those comments. I thought it was, I, I rarely ever, I'm not sure I've ever heard him say anything like that in the media. I just think there's no... That's something just don't be honest about. That stays, you know, if you're if you're feeling that, that stays amongst the coaching staff and your senior players, and you just you you figure out ways of of getting beyond that, of moving quickly on. Like even if you're feeling like I, I just thought it was a, I was really surprised. I have to say, I thought that was a mistake, and I think he should like that's something he needs to learn from because even at this stage of your coaching career, you're always going to learn things. You know, like sometimes you get comfortable and you say something that you don't mean. But I thought that was an error. Um, you know, I would never be admitting that to anyone that there's, you know, some kind of ha you're moving on to but the what next if there, thing. So what if there is? Like, well, you have to figure it out. Yeah. You have to figure it out amongst the group. You have to say, well, look, lads, this has happened. We can't change that. But like, what can we learn from it? And then we go and try and, you know, apply the learnings to the next game. So that's, I think that's how you, like, that's how he operates. So I'm surprised he's like, he would have been saying that point in the scenes. Just no doubt about it. <laughs> yeah. So it was an unusual one. I think it was a bit of a, I'm sure it was a bit of a throwaway comment from me. You probably didn't think it would, it would have a, I, a I big thought an it was, I thought it was refreshing that he said it and. I think it'll it'll have a positive effect to say that look we were broken and this is what can happen if we you know if we're not right if we don't manage games well if we get bullied I always remember Declan Kidney going right back to when I started with Munster I remember playing over against Neath in but when he said it before he said it before a game yeah I know but yeah I suppose look it's uncharacteristic yeah, sorry of, of, go on of you're on a bit but I just Jeff remember Ian. being back there in that situation over in the Nall playing Neath sitting in a dressing room afterwards and Declan Kidney was, he never really rose his voice to us as a group before that. He was furious because we were bullied, we were beaten up and we were broken after that game. So being broken doesn't mean you can't heal and repair mm -hmm. and come back. So I think they'll, it'll make him a bit stronger that this is what can happen if we, you know, if we, if we hit that wall and maybe we hit that wall, maybe we believed a little bit of the hype. All the players will tell you, no, we don't, we're, our heads are down. But it's just a psychological little bit of we're great side now and, you know, it's England at home, but we'll win because we're... And I'm not saying they thought that way, but it's if, if it just varies into your mind a little bit or gets into your mind a little bit and maybe the percent, that, that real desire that you need to win and stay in the top just dropped a tiny little bit throughout everyone, coaches, everyone. And that's maybe what happened. So... Can they repair that brokenness? For sure. I think it was a disaster. The quicker the Six Nations finished, the better. <laughs> so, uh, because it, they, they just, you know, and sometimes you're stuck in a little rut and then yeah. you try so hard and it just gets worse. And then the kind of blood drains out of the body and that's what happened to them. So, look, they know that if they approach things like that and they get bullied and they allow England or another team like England to do that, um, and hopefully they'll be in a situation, hopefully, um, in a quarter final against New Zealand or South Africa, that that'll be, you know, that that potentially could happen again if they allow it. But, you know, if you're Scotland, you're kind of rubbing your hands saying, oh, yeah. well, Scotland would have preferred that if Ireland just would keep winning. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like, look, I think they'll be more determined now. And it's kind of a clean slate. The World Cup is different and it's, it's everyone has their own desire going to a World Cup, all the teams right across the board. But, you know, they'll have to fix themselves and, and senior players... I think if it's player-driven as well, you know, they can set a standard for themselves and, and improve that and get back to where they were. 
well as you say it's a clean slate next season so we'll close the book on this one Luke Quinny thanks so much for joining me pleasure that's all we have time for on the left wing this season thank you so much for listening over the last eight months we will be back I guess next season around World Cup time with another great podcast and in the meantime you could subscribe to our back catalogue on iTunes SoundCloud or listen on independent.ie so thank you so much for supporting the podcast over the last year and we'll see you next season